Hello and welcome to another quick bonus episode of History and Film. So, A Knight's Tale isn't really necessary for our timeline as it's an intentionally anachronistic story made just to have fun with a medieval theme. But that's exactly what makes it perfect for just kind of a quick episode here. It opens with three squires worried about how they're going to be able to afford to eat as their knight has just died in between rounds at a jousting tournament. The three are Heath Ledger, playing Will Thatcher, Mark Addy, who plays Robert Baratheon in Game of Thrones, and Alan Tudyk from Firefly and Rogue One. Only nobles are allowed to participate in the tournaments, but Will puts on their boss's armor and wins the tournament posing as him. This gives him the idea to train and keep doing this, which they do. The trio runs across a naked Geoffrey Chaucer, the author of the Canterbury Tales, and they invent Will's noble persona of Ulrich von Lichtenstein. And from watching the movie, it just seems like this is just a random non-English name they made up, but there really was an Ulrich von Lichtenstein. The real Ulrich was a German poet and songwriter and later a knight from the 13th century, so about 100 years before our story today. And fittingly, Ulrich was taken to self-aggrandizement about, among other things, his feats in the jousting arena. Anyway, Chaucer is surprised the men have never heard of him as he's such a famous author, but as he's down on his luck at the moment, if they'll take him in, he'll forge the documents needed to pass Will off as a noble at the next tournament. During the tournament, it's revealed that one of the competitors is Edward the Black Prince in disguise. He's heir to the throne and should not be risking himself in competition, so he's used an assumed name. The prince is the son of Edward III, so he's the grandson of Edward II and Princess Isabella, whom we met in Braveheart, and he's the primary reason I chose to do an episode on this movie. Will earns the prince's respect by jousting him anyway. The prince is annoyed when other competitors just bowed out to avoid facing royalty. And of course, there's a whole story about the girl Will is trying to impress and a rival knight, Count Adamar, who's better at him at the joust, but... As these are all fictional people, I'm not concerned with the details. Basically, Will only starts winning every tournament once Adamar is away at a real battle. This battle named in the film gives us our best estimate of when the film takes place. The Battle of Poitiers, which took place in 1356 in the Aquitaine region of France. Adamar returns from this in time for the World Championship in London and discovers Will is not a noble at all. Will is arrested and then freed on the orders of the Black Prince who knights him then and there, making him eligible to continue competing. Will wins, jousting now under his real name, the end. So let's get into the history we see only peripherally in the film. The Battle of Poitiers was part of the Hundred Years' War between England and France. I've mentioned in past episodes how much land the English kings held in France. William the Conqueror, of course, was the Duke of Normandy in France, and English kings had a habit of marrying French princesses who often came with land. Fighting over these lands was a common problem, but ultimately the English kings were allowed to keep them by recognizing that the French king was still sovereign over any French lands that the English owned in France, even if the lord of those lands was the English king. Well, our friend Princess Isabella from Braveheart changed that. When her brother, the king of France, died, she and her son, Edward III, decided to say that Edward should be king of France. The French, not surprisingly, named another king, and when, nine years later, he started challenging Edward's lands in France, Edward decided, you know what, I think I was serious about that I should be king of France thing, and hostilities began in 1337. The early decades of the Hundred Years' War were mostly dominated by England. 
The Battle of Poitiers in 1356 was led by the Black Prince, again the son of Edward III. The French king was captured in the battle and remained in English custody for most of the rest of his life. And quick reminder here that this battle was not long after both countries were dealing with the destruction of the Black Death. Basically, we're all lucky we weren't born around 1340 in France. If you survived the plague, you probably had to go fighting a losing battle against the English. I'll get more into the Hundred Years' War when we talk about Joan of Arc later this month, but I want to stay with the Black Prince. He was one of his father's main generals during these early years of the war and is said to have received his nickname for the black armor he wore in battle. He dominated France for the better part of a decade. His father did later have to direct him to rein in the damage his troops were doing to civilian populations, which I only mention because the movie makes a brief reference to this. And the, the Black Prince, while powerful and intimidating as we see here, was also likely cruel at times. As ever, real life is more complicated. He would have likely been a strong monarch, but he never got the chance. He died of dysentery just one year before he would have succeeded his father to the throne. And you have to wonder how drastically history will be changed just by giving medieval Europe our knowledge of sanitation and hygiene. No modern technologies, just the knowledge of bacteria. If the Black Prince had lived to a ripe old age, we may never get the War of the Roses or Henry VIII. I won't get into it now, but all the figures of the white-rosed House of York and the red-rosed House of Lancaster, Henry V, Richard III, etc., they are all descended from the brothers of the Black Prince fighting for the throne and the vacuum he left behind. Yes, his son did succeed his father and was crowned Richard II at 10 years of age, but more ambitious and capable men plagued him in ways they wouldn't have his father. Richard II was deposed by his cousin, Henry IV, and died in captivity a few months later. And as far as the timeline of our movie goes, if it's set in 1356, the Black Prince would have been 26 years old, He's played by James Purefoy, who played Mark Antony in the HBO series Rome, so he was about a decade too old for the role, but that's not bad for Hollywood. Chaucer, however, is way off. He's played by Paul Bettany, Jarvis slash Vision from the Iron Man movies. He was about 30 when A Knight's Tale was made, but Geoffrey Chaucer would have been about 13 years old in 1356, so not sure why they couldn't have just set the film a decade or two in the future, since the principal characters are fictional anyway. But again, this film is intentionally anachronistic. I mean, it opens with the medieval crowd singing Queen's We Will Rock You. So Chaucer is most famous for writing the Canterbury Tales. This was written in Middle English, which is largely indiscernible to the modern reader. Though it was just over 200 years before Shakespeare, which, while frustrating for some, is very much modern English. The Canterbury Tales has a large group of diverse characters traveling to see the shrine of Thomas Becket. Yes, the same Beckett martyred by the barons hoping to please Henry II. It's then really just a collection of short stories about each of the characters, the first of which is The Knight's Tale. So yes, that's where they derive the title of the movie today, and no doubt why they chose to include Chaucer, but the title was all they borrowed. The movie isn't based on Chaucer's Knight's Tale at all, other than maybe the existence of tournaments and the knight hoping to win the love of a girl. We get an example in A Knight's Tale of professions being used as surnames. Heath Ledger is Will Thatcher, and we know his father's trade is building and mending straw roofs, which is called thatching. Names just don't seem to have been as important for our ancestors as they are for us today. Surnames seem to have just developed as populations grew more concentrated and we needed a more specific way to refer to people. Spellings and pronunciations weren't super important. 
illiterate people obviously weren't concerned with spelling. So today we have thousands of similar sounding names or different pronunciations of the same spelling, etc. And that's really all I had. Again, just another quick bonus episode. Kind of wanted to do a little fun movie real quick for you. And we'll catch you later. <laughs>